0: Scripture scripture, scripture reading is found in Revelation 13, verses 3 to 10. And it reads, One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled, marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Also was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe, and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world. In the book of life of the Lamb was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Let's pray. Father, as I speak this morning, I pray that my words will be your words, Lord. I once again wanna ask your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. And as I speak, Father, specifically about your character, I pray that you just, Lord, speak through me in such a mighty way, Lord, that we will be able to see you as you are. In your name we pray, amen. God's goal is salvation for you and me. But what exactly is salvation? Salvation is God transforming you and me into a person with the character of God, which will allow you and me to self-govern. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In Hebrew, the word for heart can be used in reference to mind, inner man, conscience, seed of courage, appetites, emotions, and passions. And even memory the word spirit in hebrew is often referred to breath disposition the spirit of god so when god says he's going to give us a new heart and a new spirit he's essentially saying he's going to give us a new mind new feelings new emotions new passions new memory and a part of him his breath disposition his spirit I think about what God did with Adam and Eve. He put Adam to sleep and he took one of his ribs and he gave it to Eve. I think of that as what God is saying here. He's giving us a part of himself. He's giving us his spirit. Ezekiel 36 continues, "'And I will put my spirit within you "'and cause you to walk in my statutes "'and to carefully observe my ordinances. "'You will be my people. And I will be your God. But when God puts his spirit in us, it doesn't come. He doesn't come empty handed. The Holy Spirit does not come empty handed. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of his spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is a reflection of who God is. Anyone who manifests the fruit of the Spirit demonstrates the restoration of this image of God within them. This is one of the realities of salvation. And the second one is that we're able to self-govern ourselves. So let's quickly review really quick before we move on. Salvation is God transforming you and me into a person with the character of God which will allow you and me to self govern. Essentially, he's putting his new heart, his new spirit within you and causing us to walk in his statutes and observe his ordinances. God's spirit helps us keep his ways and maintain ourselves. God gives us new hearts so that we're able to govern ourselves without his interference. You see, God is not a micromanager. An example of this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. God allowed Adam and Eve to have dominion and rulership over everything in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to govern everything according to other understanding and intellect. The only thing restricted was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God wants the same for us. Unlike the children of Israel, whose reasoning and decision-making had become so debased when leaving Egypt that they were unable to govern themselves. And God had to literally outline instructions for them to govern themselves through the wilderness. God had not intended that for them, and God does not intend that for us. God intends for us what he intended for Adam and Eve, to have dominion and rulership over everything in the Garden of Eden. And as we know, and as the Bible shows, the Garden of Eden was the only time God's people were able to be self-governed. Therefore, it is God's goal that our character is like his, while it is Satan's goal that we be governed by his character and controlled by him. So once again, salvation is God transforming you and me into a person with a character like his which allows you and I to be governed and function without his direct management. However, in Revelation 13, we're going to see a different picture, a different way of doing things. We're going to see the devil, his fruit, his character, his ways. So as we read today in today's scripture reading, we're going to be basing our message today on Revelation 13. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, we're going to be scrolling over there. Revelation 13, in this chapter, there are three main characters, the dragon, the beast of the sea, and the beast of the earth. But Revelation 13 doesn't give us a huge description of who this dragon is or context to him. For that, we kind of have to go a chapter before. We're going to just really quickly just take a minute to just go to Revelation 12 and find out more about this dragon, his fruit, his character, his ways. Revelation 12, 9 spells it out very clearly for us. This dragon is Satan. And he is called the deceiver of the whole world, the serpent of old. And is also called the accuser of our brothers. Revelation 12 not only tells us what Satan is called, but describes his character. A deceiver and an accuser. And if we were to really spend some time and go in detail, we would get this storyline of Satan, which I'm going to quickly summarize here. You see, in chapter 12 of Revelation, it tells Satan's story. He loses his battle in heaven, Satan, he loses his battle in heaven, is thrown to the earth, and wants to devour this pregnant woman's baby, which symbolizes Jesus. But he isn't able to because this baby is taken up to heaven. So Satan gets really mad and he instead goes after the woman who gave birth to the baby, which in the Bible, the woman symbolizes the church. Revelation 12, 17 says, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. But before I continue more on the storyline of what happens next, I want to just make sure that we're focusing on the dragon, Satan, really quick. Does Satan look like a person who is peaceful, kind, gentle, joyful, or patient? Just in this really quick outline of a story in Revelation 12. I don't think so. Revelation 12 highlights some pretty interesting things about his character. I don't know if it's interesting, but the reality of his character. And that is that there's anger, hatred, intolerance, lack of peace, forcefulness, The fruit of the dragon, Satan, is a complete opposite of the fruit of the Spirit of God. Can you think of someone in your life who lost self control because of anger and you didn't think they could lose it anymore, but they did? Take a minute. That picture that you see, that image that you're thinking of, that's Satan. And that's kind of where Revelation 12 kind of ends. Is Satan going after the woman and her offspring furiously? And so now, Revelation 13 begins. So let's go back to Revelation 13 because this is where we're gonna be focusing most of today's message. In Revelation 13, we're going to see the dragon Satan giving his attributes, character, authority, and power to the beast that comes out of the sea and we're going to begin by analyzing the descriptions of this beast and seeing how there is that connection. First description, Revelation 13 verses 3 and 4. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can, and who can fight against it? This first description highlights this kind of, this image, or I don't know if it highlights, but actually paints this picture of the world under a type of daze or trance, and they follow and worship it. And they're almost convinced the dragon is strong, even though you and I know that we just read in Revelation 12 that the dragon lost the war in heaven. The second description of this beast of the sea is in Revelation 13, verses 6 and 7. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And to understand better what blasphemies mean, it can be interchangeable for damning, cursing, swearing, vilification, which is in connotation to libel. Basically, this beast of the sea was swearing against God, cursing against him, lying about him, and then goes on to make war on the saints and to conquer them, which we know is God's people, God's church. And here we see how the beast of the sea, how it's described in Revelation 12, reflects The similar attributes, the character, the fruit of the dragon, Satan, in Revelation 12. He deceives, has hatred, intolerance, and is forceful. But Revelation 13 doesn't end with this beast. We have a description of a second beast, the beast of the earth, which a dragon also gives his power and authority to. And this beast, in my opinion, is a step above or a step worse than the beast of the sea because it seems to show more explicitly the fruit, the way, and the character of Satan. So let's analyze what this beast of the earth has. The first description, Revelation 13, verse 11. This beast has two horns, like a lamb, but it speaks like a dragon. Now in the Bible, often when the lamb, when a lamb is mentioned in the Bible, it, it references and symbolizes Jesus. And this, and the lamb uh, symbolizes, excuse me, the lamb symbolizes Jesus because it's, it is a docile animal. I don't know if you have had some time to, to study this, the sanctuary in the old Testament, but. Individuals would come to the altar sacrifice in the sanctuary with a lamb. This lamb symbolized what Jesus would do for you and I. He would die for our sins. This was a selfless act, and that's why the lamb was used as as part of this, I guess, to get ceremony, because it showed like the lamb who does not fight, who is teachable, who is meek, who is humble, Jesus would do the same. He would do it willingly without a struggle. And this beast disguises himself in this way as something gentle, something meek, something teachable, like a lamb. But it speaks like a dragon. The beast of the earth looks like it has the character of Christ on the outside, but has the character of the dragon, Satan, on the inside. The second description, in Revelation 13, verse 12, it says, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the first, excuse me, in the presence of the beast It deceives those who dwell on earth. So here we have a second description. This beast performs miracles. It goes as far to demonstrate miracle and cast everyone under a spell, causing people to focus on miracles instead of the character. Just like a distraction, but it doesn't end there. There's some more. Dis- There's one more description we're going to re- we're going to analyze here in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 7, chapter 13. It causes all, both small and great, rich, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast. the number of its name. So the third part of this beast described is that it forces whoever does not have the name or the number of the beast to not buy. It is not allowed to buy or sell. He forces everyone to get this, and if you don't get it, you can't buy or sell. And in the Bible, name is quite important. It's synonymous for character. So here, this beast of the earth is essentially saying if you don't have our character the dragon satan the beast of the seas or mine you can't buy yourself this beast essentially forces everyone to have its character the character of satan So quickly reviewing the beast of the earth, he disguises himself as a lamb and causes miracles to distract people of who he really is. So essentially he's deceptive and he is forcing everyone who does not have the mark of the beast, which is the character, the name of the beast or the number to not buy herself. So he's essentially intolerant and also full of hatred. So here we have it. Basically, we have all these three characters that have shown in Revelation 12 and 13 to be mad, hateful, intolerant, deceptive, forceful, and lack peace. All these three characters, the dragon, which symbolizes Satan, the dragon, excuse me, the beast of the sea, and the beast of the earth. Revelation 13 shows us the dragon giving his fruit, his character, his power and authority to the beast of the sea and the beast of the earth that do things his way. But I I want to make sure that as we're just summarizing that part and we're concluding this part, that Revelation 13, this last description that we read of the beast of the earth, that description is making a point to say that these three three individuals or characters of Revelation 12 and 13 are not satisfied with they themselves having this character. They want their community, their kingdom to embrace this. And what is it that they're embracing this character? It's a character unlike the fruit of the Spirit. You see, instead of love, it is hate. Instead of joy, it is misery. Instead of peace, it is insecurity. Instead of patience, it's intolerance. Instead of kindness, it's animosity. Instead of goodness, it's corruption. Instead of faithfulness, it's disloyalty. Instead of gentleness, it is hardness. And instead of self-control, it is instability. Revelation 13 concludes with a dragon and his beast producing a people that mirror his image, reflect his image, his character. And these are unable to be self-governed because they have been micromanaged using force. These individuals do not have a character reflecting through the spirit but of Satan. Imagine one person with these traits. Just take a second. With hate, with misery, insecurity, intolerance, animosity, corruption, disloyalty, hardness, and instability. Just imagine what one person with all these traits must be like. I can't imagine the restlessness they must have. And the dragon, he's not satisfied with one person. He wants a whole kingdom like this. What kind of character do you and I want? Isn't it interesting that the Bible doesn't say the fruits of the spirit, even though there are multiple parts to the fruit? I'm gonna ask that one more time. Isn't it interesting that the Bible doesn't say the fruits of the spirit, even though there are multiple parts to the fruit? It says the fruit of the spirit, even though it has love, joy, peace, and so on. It's almost as if God is alluding back to the past to the fruit Eve ate, the forbidden fruit Eve ate. The eating of the fruit that Eve ate caused such degradation of character and humanity. And this is what God desires to transform. He desires to restore our Godlike character by the spirit of God and restore our self-governance by the fruit of the spirit. In some versions, the last verse in Revelation, the very last verse in Revelation says that this calls for wisdom. Speaking of what is mentioned in Revelation 13, this calls for wisdom. When I hear the word wisdom, I think of a story of the two women who came to King Solomon about a baby. One woman had fallen asleep, on her child and it died. The other woman sleeping nearby had placed her child near her as they slept. The woman whose child died exchanged it for the nearby woman's living child when she realized hers had passed. In the morning, there was a conflict among both women about the living child. So they went to King Solomon and King Solomon in a response to the conflict, decide to cut the baby in half so each woman would have a piece. The mother of the child who had passed away agreed, yes, that's fair. But the mother of the living child, about to become sliced, yelled, no, no, just give the child to her So the baby can live. Right then, the character of both women helped King Solomon decide who the true mother was. In the last days, character will also be the deciding factor for us too. And God desires that we, like King Solomon, discern the right character. God places him, himself I want, you, I want all, all to think about this. God places himself just like that true mother of that living baby. God allows us, like King Solomon, to sit on a throne and judge him, judge his character. Just like King Solomon judged both women's character, both women's character, that is what God is allowing you and I to do. even though we were the ones who lost the dominion and rulership he gave us. He's allowing us to judge him. And beyond this almost unbelievable, like humility that God displays in, in allowing us to do this, in his act of love, and his, in his, beautiful character and selfless character, he not only allows us to judge him, he also is willing to give us back the kingdom he gave us in the first place. He's allowed, He is willing to have it restored to us and help us not only help, help us have it again, but allow us to rule and have dominion over it again. In the very place that was our weakness, in the very thing that we lost. This is the character of God. He wants us to accept his salvation so we can be transformed into his image and likeness that we will be that we will have the capability to be self-governed and be able to rule like King Solomon ruled his kingdom. And he desires to do this. God desires to accomplish this by the fruit of his spirit. Which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is the way of God. And I end this message today with what god says in ezekiel 36 and how we started this message and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and to carefully observe my ordinances you will be my people and i will be your god let's pray father thank you for your word and thank you for the fruit of the spirit and thank you that lord You not only love us to change us, but Father, you desire to restore us and restore what we lost and you gave us in the first place. Thank you for second chances and thank you for just loving us. In your name we pray, amen.